Let's take our Bibles and turn to Luke chapter 4 and 5, just the last two verses of Luke 4, and then the first 11 verses of Luke 5. So Luke 4, verse 43, excuse me. Jesus said to them, I must preach the kingdom of God to the other cities also, because for this purpose I have been sent. And he was preaching in the synagogues of Galilee. So it was, as the multitude pressed about him to hear the word of God, that he stood by the lake of Gennesaret and saw two boats standing by the lake. But the fishermen had gone gone from them and were washing their nets. Then he got into one of the boats, which was Simon's, and asked him to put out a little from the land. And he sat down and taught the multitudes from the boat. When he had stopped speaking, he said to Simon, launch out into the deep and let down your nets for a catch. But Simon answered and said to him, Master, we have toiled all night and caught nothing. Nevertheless, at your word, I will let down the net. And when they had done this, they caught a great number of fish, and their net was breaking. So they signaled to their partners in the other boat to come and help them. And they came and filled both of the boats so that they began to sink. When Simon Peter saw it, he fell down at Jesus' knees, saying, Depart from me, for I am a sinful man, O Lord. For he and all who were with him were astonished at the catch of fish which they had taken. And so also were James and John, the sons of Zebedee, who were partners with Simon. And Jesus said to Simon, Do not be afraid. From now on you will catch men. So when they had brought their boats to land, they forsook all and followed him. That's our reading. By the way, I forgot to mention just before we began that uh, there's something of a parallel. So if if you think uh, this story sounds familiar, not only is it in Matthew, Mark, and Luke, But there is another event like this at the end of John. John chapter 21 will have the net taken from one side of the boat and cast in the water on the other side of the boat, and there's a huge catch, 153 fish. But that's that's after Jesus Christ rose from the dead. That's a different story. Um, This event is go out a little further, cast into the deep, and uh, then they catch quite the load of fish. After the sermon, we're going to be singing, Yet Not I, But Through Christ in Me, and that's in the provisional uh, page 90. Congregation loved by Jesus Christ our Lord, not everyone is a fisherman. I'm not a fisherman although I've been known to fish. I know real fishermen are out there because they will spend time by the water even though there are no fish. Real fishermen believe that there are fish and they pursue them. I'm not one of those. Real fishermen, they call it fun, but they make it look like work. This morning, the kingdom of God enters the workplace. 
we're hearing a lot about work today. We've left the synagogues for this particular miracle. It is no longer the Sabbath day. It's a work day. And the question is, as this anointed one, as Jesus the Christ, the King, who's been proclaiming the kingdom every Sabbath, gospel for the poor, freedom for the captive, sight for the blind, what about your workplace? Is there any impact at the place where you work? The faith of the fishermen is the message I'm bringing. I kind of divided this message into six parts. I just, one word as I move at a time from one section to the other. First word I want to highlight is in verse one, multitude. So it was as the multitude pressed about him to hear the word of God that he stood by the lake of Gennesaret, which is the Sea of Galilee, and he saw two boats standing by the lake, but the fishermen had gone from them and were washing their nets. Here's the multitude. You'd say, here's a crowd. How many? Hundreds? Maybe a thousand people? Have you ever experienced a crowd? Maybe at a game Lots of people cramming through, trying to fit. Uh, how about at an airport? There's something going on here in the story on the shore of the lake that they're pressing forward. There's that word, pressing. This multitude is eager to be at the front rows. And the back, the people who are in the back are pushing forward. Why? We're told to hear the word of God. Now, what Luke didn't say, to hear Jesus of Nazareth, to hear a rabbi. They've come to hear the good news of the kingdom of heaven, chapter 4, verse 43, the, the good news, the evangel. And they've come to hear what God says. What does the king have to say? Good news? Is there good news for the poor? Those who are helpless, who can't change the circumstances? Is there good news for those who are captive? Is there any liberty for me when I feel like I'm caught? Like I'm stuck? I can't get out of my situation and sin has trapped me. Is there sight for the blind? And they're running out of shore. There's not enough room. They're spilling out into the lake. The multitude is pressing to hear Jesus Christ. And I want you to catch this because Luke has this put really close right at the beginning here. In a few moments, you will get to the miracle of the huge catch of fish. In a moment, the nets will be breaking. The boats will be sinking. But, but do you see what's happening on the shore? The same thing is happening on the shore already. There's a huge catch. And they don't fit. Before we get to the miracle, do you see Jesus Christ, the King, and all the kingdom people eager to hear the words of the King? There is this huge catch on the shore that only Jesus Christ sees. All the helpless poor, the blind, the captive, the oppressed, the brokenhearted that we heard from chapter 4. And Jesus Christ himself is being pushed into the water. 
So the Lord Jesus uses Peter's boat. Simon Peter. Uh, Jesus, it's about this time that his name is going to change. Um, he's being called Simon right now. He'll soon be called Peter. But you have to know something about the way they were fishing back then because it's not the way we fish. They fished at night. Apparently, and I'm using other people's research on this, they used nets almost like curtains that hung deep down into the water. And this is what I'm told, that the nets were often made out of linen, which is very white. So they fished at night when the fish were most blind. Then what do the fishermen do in the daytime? They would be mending their nets. They'd be cleaning their nets. So you can picture what happens when that crowd is listening to the Lord Jesus. There's Peter and his crew of fishermen trying to listen in while cleaning off the seaweed and the little creatures that have stuck to their nets. That's when Jesus borrows Peter's boat. And this is great. It's working out well. Picture their typical fishing boat, something like 30 feet wide. 30 feet long, I meant. It's about 8 feet wide. And it makes a good platform. There's room up front. Jesus climbs in, sits down to teach. He sits to teach. That's how rabbis did it back then. And then there's still room for Peter and his crew to sit in the boat quietly working on their nets, listening to Jesus. Jesus teaches the crowds. This is it. From on the water, Jesus Christ can now preach and teach. This is before they had microphones and sound systems. Uh, this is how you would do it. The sound traveled well over the water, and it's going well. Until verse 4, it says, he had stopped speaking. You, you get that. It's, it's really cryptic. It's really short. But verse 4 is saying, he got to the end of the message. He had stopped speaking. And it was time to go home. That's, that's what you can conclude from that. So here's the point. He had stopped speaking. And now imagine that the crowds are making their way home. And the Lord Jesus is going to say something like this to the fishermen. Something like this. Do you know what just happened out there today? On the shore. Do you see all those two-legged fish on the shore? The crowd pressing forward. The crowd hearing the Word of God. And you, Peter, you, you crew, you're all about fish. You see everything about fish. I am the king, and I see a kingdom. I see my kingdom. Now Jesus shows what has just happened on the shore. That's where this miracle comes in. He is showing what has just happened that you cannot see in an invisible way what was happening on the shore. So here's the, the miracle. Verse 4, Jesus says, Simon, launch out into the deep and let down your nets for a catch. Here's the king's word to a fisherman. Words. Words of God, maybe? What do you think? Because if they're words of a carpenter, why should I listen? 
If they're words of a rabbi, a teacher, why should I listen? You can stick to your line of work, pastor. I'm Simon. I'm a professional fisherman. I run a business. I have a whole crew that works for me. Why should I launch out into the deep? In the deep of all things. Instead of near the shore where there's that, that uh, ledge, underwater shelf kind of thing. Why should I do that? Let down my nets in the middle of the day instead of at night. What do you know about, te- about fishing? Go back to teaching. Listen to Peter tell Jesus respectfully, and he does it respectfully and politely. He uses the word master. Master, we have toiled all night and caught nothing. What word did he use? Well, besides master, we have done what all night? Toiled. That's the second word I want to highlight. If you want to have a second point, it's that word toil. And that's key here. Peter has been sweating and struggling and exhausting himself along with all his men all night with nothing to show for. That's toil. And it should, when you hear that word, it should trigger something in your mind about Genesis, the first book of the Bible, and the great curse that comes upon man and his work. The last time you've heard the king of kings command something ridiculous, don't eat from that one tree, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Remember how Adam and Eve responded? What does God know? Remember how the serpent was saying, what does God know? The tree looks good, it looks fine. The fruit's amazing. And the people of paradise Adam and Eve rejected the word of the king. So now the Lord Jesus Christ, the king, he says to Peter, do this. And it could be anything, but it it is a little ridiculous that your mind would go back to an arbitrary command. It could have been any tree, but but God in, in paradise said, that tree don't touch. And you have to take it that from the Lord the King, already in Genesis 3, you remember this word, toil. Cursed is the ground for your sake. In toil you shall eat of it all the days of your life, both thorns and thistles it shall bring forth for you, and you shall eat the herb of the field. In the sweat of your face you shall eat bread till till you return to the ground, for out of it you were taken, for dust you are, and to dust you shall return. Toil. Because you wouldn't listen to a word I gave you, here is toil for your miserable life. Frustration and sweat and empty nets. Actually, it's worse than empty nets. You notice that? You're going to spend hours cleaning your empty nets. There's the definition of toil. And there's, this is perfect. Because from our perspective, Jesus has been saying some other pretty ridiculous things. Like humanly speaking, he's been proclaiming, and you've just been hearing words like gospel to the poor, sight for the blind, freedom for the captives. Remember the quote from Isaiah chapter 61? 
Luke chapter 4. And you might be like, yeah, words, 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 yeah, whatever. Jesus says, hey, Peter, why don't you just cast your nets into the deep over there? Hey, Peter, you've been listening in a little bit. You've been hearing me preach the kingdom of heaven. You've, you've even seen me rebuke the fever in your mother-in-law. You've seen me rebuke demons and, and restore people to, to restore them to paradise. But what about your line of work, Peter? What do I have to do with your daily curse? Do I have anything to do with your daily toil that you struggle with? Am I your king at work? Is there any paradise in my words? Any kingdom coming for you in your work? So, Peter, throw your nets in the deep over there. And Peter thinks about this, doesn't he? Brothers and sisters, you've you got to think about this. The connection with the words. And who says them. Commands. Are they just suggestions? How does it work in your life? You hear commands. Do you find shortcuts for them? I don't have to. It doesn't apply to me. Rules? Commands? God doesn't really know what I'm dealing with, what I have to deal with, the people I have to deal with, the work I'm with. His word wasn't made for my situation. You ever thought that? Wasn't made for my kind of toil. Oh yeah? The king's word to you. You get it often, right? Hopefully you hear it not just in church, preached, but at home, school. And you can do this anytime. You can read it easily. You get these apps that will read God's word to you. But is it really the king's word? Is it the word of the one who made paradise, who could bring paradise back? Is it the word of the king who, who forgives sins, who suddenly makes you worthy and acceptable, that even the Holy Spirit would want to live in you? Is it the word of your king, your redeemer? So the point is, for the first time, Jesus is testing Peter's faith. You, Peter, you're a fisherman. You know all about fishing. But do you know me? I create fish. Jesus speaking. I am the second Adam. I am the last Adam, the Apostle Paul calls him. I have been given dominion over the fish of the sea, the birds of the air, over every living thing that moves on the earth. There's Genesis 1.26. We were singing about this a few times. Psalm 8. Did you catch that part about having dominion over the fish? Peter, just uh, lower your nets over there in the deep. And Peter, the fisherman, he says, Master, we've toiled all night and caught nothing. Nevertheless, at your word, 
I will let down the net. Act your word. This is now my third point, the word faith. The faith of the fisherman. On the off chance, Master, maybe, possibly, just to humor you, just to prove one way or the other, at your word, I will lower my nets. And this is the first of three miracles coming up in Luke chapter 5, all now speaking of faith. There's Peter, there's the leper coming up, there's going to be the paralyzed man being lowered by four friends who have faith. And Luke shows, you want to see faith? Let me introduce you to faith. Look at the faith of Peter. It's kind of lousy faith. At your word, Master. I wonder if Peter actually has a smirk on his face when he says it. What a waste of time. But because you say so. I don't know, it's hard to read the tone of this. At your word, I will do it. If a parent tells his child to do something, you see sometimes they'll drag their feet. Maybe they'll go about and do their chore. Okay, because you said so. I don't want to. And yet, this is faith. You have to fish in the depths of the Word of God. That's what faith is. Fishing in the Word of God. He's been saying a lot of things. God, Jesus Christ has been saying a lot of things. Good things, saving things, awesome things like forgiveness and righteousness, blessing, peace, freedom and sight. And you have to be a little bit like a fisherman. The kind that imagine there could possibly, maybe be fish in the water. That kind of fisherman. You throw down your net because without the net you wouldn't catch anything, but with a net you might catch something. That for you to act on the Word of God, even though you see no evidence, that's what makes you a good fisherman. A true fisherman lays down, puts down his net though he has seen no evidence yet. And Peter has that kind of faith. I don't think there's any fish over there. What do you know about fishing? But because you say so. So brothers and sisters, why obey commands that you hear in the Word of God? Why obey any command? You think about some of the commands you hear from the Lord Jesus Christ, about being gentle or forgiving, Difficult commands like being generous or honest. If that has not worked out for you for an entire night, a frustrating night, why would you listen to the Lord Jesus again? Because at your word, that's what I do. Because you say so. Because you are the King of kings, the Son of God, 
A fourth word, astonishment. Astonishment. What the Lord Jesus does now is excessive. It's way over the top. And it results in astonishment, a fearful amazement. Verse 6, when they had lowered their nets in the deep, they caught a great number of fish and their net was breaking. They signaled to their partners and they came and they filled both boats so that they began to sink. This is excessive. It's not just like what farmers can do. Sometimes they'll, they'll take in a bumper crop. This is actually dangerous. It's wrecking their nets. It's sinking their boats. Now what if they lose all the fish? Not only they have broken boats, uh, broken nets, but they have nothing to show for if they sink. And the Lord Jesus has this, He's made this point that last night, you remember last night, that was miserable, that was toil, that was frustration. Now, I want you to be overwhelmed. You're going to capsize almost. Does anyone else see what's happening here? It's like Jesus Christ is in charge of the fish. Peter, you notice that? Curse is in the hand of God. Blessing is in the hand of God. Rebuke in the words of Christ. And abundance in the words of Christ. This is the anointed one. You've heard in chapter 4. The Christ. The Messiah. The Son of God. And Peter gets it. Actually, he, he begins to get it. And so he now falls down on his knees. This is worship. This is awe. This is the fear of God. And he says, depart from me, for I am a sinful man, O Lord. Peter, in his typical fashion, he blurts things out. Maybe he hasn't figured out his theology properly. Get away from me. Does that even make much sense, saying that to God? But you know the gist of it, what he's saying, right? Lord! Oh, that's an amazing word to use. He is now using the name Lord. In Greek, it's kurios. It's the word used for the Lord any time in the Bible. In the, in the Old Testament, you would have this translated as Lord. And now Peter is calling Him Lord, and you might have that association of Lord God. And he has thrown himself down as someone who is unworthy before the Lord. Unworthy before his Creator. And he is thinking to himself, Lord, I have been disgusting to you. I am a sinner. And I have treated you like an ordinary person. Like a teacher. Or a rabbi. Like a carpenter. Or a friend. I am a sinner because your words were to me like a crazy suggestion. Here's a definition for sinner. Thinking God's words are just words. And Peter realizes it. And he says, how can you stand being near to me, Lord? Get away from me. You know, you might start out listening to the Word of God, hearing it, because Jesus has interesting things to say. You might hear the Word of God because 
You can pick up a few tips. You have things to learn. But that's not true listening. Peter now knows that Jesus' words move fish. He realizes that for the first time, Jesus' words move fish. Away from his net, like last night, or into his net, like in this moment. Peter now knows Jesus' words bring curse or abundant blessing. Either Jesus lifts the curse that God laid down in Genesis 3, only the Almighty can lift that curse again, and here is Jesus doing that. Peter falls before God, just like Isaiah the prophet. Think of Isaiah 6. Woe is me, I am unclean. So here's the point. If Jesus Christ is your king, you're not just interested anymore. If Jesus Christ is king, you're not just interested in his words. Maybe you come at first because you're interested. You like to gain a few interesting tidbits of knowledge. But if Jesus Christ is truly your king, his word moves you. You might start out saying, I believe in Jesus. But you want to know what faith is? Taking him at his word but because you said so. His commands come into your most private life, right? You want to test whether you have faith? His words in your secret life. His words about your honesty when no one is looking. Stealing when no one's around. His word about murder when you're angry. His words about adultery when your eyes are groping. His words about anything. He is saying it. The kingdom of heaven takes me at my word. That's what makes paradise perfect. You want to wonder, uh, want to imagine what heaven is like? Heaven is perfect. Because everyone and everything takes God at His word. We no longer live on bread alone. We live on every word that comes from the mouth of God. He says, don't touch that tree. He could point to any tree and we'd say, okay, we don't touch that tree. The fifth word is astonishment that Jesus' words can move mountains of fish. And now we're at verse 9. There's a boatload of fish to sell. It's astonishing. I guess Peter can pay off a mortgage. Our last word is identity. You'll notice the scriptures have the word from now on. Jesus speaks that. From now on. Because in a way, comparing the other gospels, Simon's no longer going to be called Simon. From now on, he's Peter. And it's around here that Jesus Christ calls him Peter because Simon has been changed. Remember how this happens. Other people have it too. Saul gets called Paul. Who he is, what he has been known for, what he has done for work is now different. And you know, especially the men among us, I, I want to single out the men. Your identity is tied to your work. 
If I went up to Peter, he'd say, I'm a fisherman. That's how he introduces himself. And men, your success, your respect, your honor, your appreciation is tied to work. Work tends to be your identity. And you think about it the other side. If you despair as a man and you want to quit, or you even think of suicide, I wouldn't be surprised. It's tied to frustration at work, empty work, conflict with people, institutions that prevent you from getting work done. Useless, pointless misery, and all the disrespect. And from now on in Luke, besides one special occasion, this is now Peter with a new identity. Jesus says to Simon in verse 10, Do not be afraid. From now on, you will catch men. Other Gospels will say, you'll be a fisher of men. You will catch men. He's in a new line of work. His identity has changed from what counts for success for Peter, what counts for failure for Peter is now changed from now on. The king who's been proclaiming his kingdom says, you will catch men, not just me. Think about that. You, as a human being, will catch men, not just me. You will never see the crowds the same way. Those multitudes, those who are assembling, those who are powerless and brokenhearted and captive and blind, they need the gospel, Peter. They need freedom. They need sight. Simon Peter, from now on, you will see the crowds differently. When you see them pressing forward to hear the word of God, and you're tripping into the water, you know what they're here for. And you know what you are here for. They need to see Jesus Christ as King. They need to fall down before Him. All these people, they need to know, Lord, I'm a sinner. I have been barely paying any attention to Your words. Your words, in fact, seem crazy to me. Peter, bring them good news. We've come to the end at verse 11. It says, So when they had brought their boats to land, they forsook all and followed him. A new identity. Are you doing the same? Are you now after people? Might not mean quitting your job. For some, I really want to put in a word, especially to the young men. It's a good moment to think about whether or not you're called to the ministry. But all people, do you know what you're here for? That you are here to catch people. If you yourself know what it means to hear the King, that His Word is truly God's Word, His Word is not just advice to you, but this is God's way of life. 
It's God's good news for the poor, liberty for the captive, sight for the blind, freedom for the oppressed, healing for the brokenhearted. Are your eyes open? Do you, how many people do you see in your circles who are despairing, who are blind, who walk in darkness? What are you doing to catch them? To catch them out of that? Do you have this new identity? How much of your old self, your, your self-serving life, are you leaving behind? Are you forsaking all to follow Jesus and His kingdom? In closing, I'll leave you with this. This new identity. From now on, Simon Peter never sees Jesus the same again. He never sees Jesus the same again. He never hears Jesus speak the same again. How about you? Is it true for you? Is there a from now on in your life that you never hear Jesus' words the same? They are from God. And from now on, Simon Peter never goes about his work the same again. He now works for Jesus Christ. He works for the one who controls blessing and curse. He works as for the Lord and not for man, not to be an, a man pleaser. And Simon Peter never sees the crowds the same again. I want them to know Jesus the Christ the Son of the living God. Don't you? Amen.